Well, what's up, Southcrest? How we doing? We doing okay? Great to see everybody. We are so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, man, I'm telling you what, Sundays are like the greatest day of the week. Uh, I, I just love coming together with you guys and worshiping with my friends and with my family. Uh, service on Sunday, 70 minutes. Man, it's the best 70 minutes of my week. Man, and if you're brand new here, welcome. We are so absolutely honored that you chose to, to worship with us this morning. Man, you could have chose a million other places to go or things to do, but you chose to come here and, and worship with us on July 26th. And uh, man, I'm just so thankful and honored. We're honored that you would choose to be here with us. And uh, it's our hope and our, our prayer that you find your home here and that you find connection here. And uh, yeah, man, I'm pumped. Today is a good day. Today is a great day. We're right in the middle of our Moment Maker series, and today we're going to be talking about moving on. Turn to your neighbor, say, move on. We got to move on in life. You know, one of my most favorite TV shows to watch with my two sons, I got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, Eli and Jackson. My, one of my, our favorite shows is Brain Games. Anybody ever watch the TV show Brain Games? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, we've watched every episode that they can offer on Netflix. We love it. And let me tell you, the point of this TV show is basically to take 30 minutes and make you feel really, really dumb, okay? That's the total, that's the point of this TV show. Man, they use these experts in neuroscience and psychology, and man, they just play tricks on your mind and on your brain for 30 minutes. And man, it's our goal to prove them wrong, but yet we're always proved wrong, man. We're like, how do they do this stuff? So got a few examples. They throw up this depth perception um, you know, illusion. They say, what yellow bar is longer? All right. Is it the top one or the bottom one? Well, obviously the top one looks longer, but no, I'm sorry, sir. How old are you? You're 33. Okay. Yeah. You're incorrect. All right. And then they show you, they'll, they'll throw up the next slide. They'll, you know, they'll bring in a curtain and, and close the depth perception and actually show you that those bars are the same length. Playing tricks on your mind, making you feel really smart and intelligent, you know? This next one blow, literally blows my mind still, and I know the answer to this. What shape is lighter? What shape is darker? Well, uh, sir, uh, from you know, analyzing this image, the top one is darker, the bottom one is lighter. Uh, sorry, incor- incorrect. Yet again, in reality, they are the same color, but our mind plays tricks on us all the time, man, because of the background and because of the little gradient on where they meet, our mind says, bottom one's lighter, top one's darker. And this next one, man, this is one of my favorite. Uh, I love this one. What if I told you you read the first line wrong? What I if told you you read the first line wrong? Man, our minds are constantly playing tricks on us and telling us things are there when they're actually not there. And when it comes to truth, Our source of truth cannot be our minds because just like what we've seen right here, our minds play tricks on us. They trick us sometimes when when it comes to stuff. And when when it comes to truth and us finding out what, what we need to be living for and what we need to be doing in life, it has to come from a standard, and that standard is God. Our opinion does not affect what is true. Truth has to come from God and His Word. Turn to your neighbor and say, truth comes from God. Truth comes from God. And uh, man, we're right in this middle, like I said, we're in the middle of this Moment Maker series and we're looking at moments in life. And um, I love this series because we're, we're examining the fact that our life is but a sequence of moments. All right? One moment leads to the next moment to the next moment. From the moment we took our first breath to the moment we take our last breath, that is our life. And you know, if we're lucky to live to the age of 75, we will get to live 
39,420,000 minutes in life. And you might think, man, that's a ton of time. But in reality, for, for some of us that are you know, in high school, college, maybe you're a quarter of the way through those minutes. Maybe you're more than half of the way through those minutes. And, you know, it's our goal, and we strive to make all these moments in life great. We want awesome moments in life. You know, I've seen Instagram and Facebook, and all you guys have been, you know, vacationing and traveling overseas. And, uh, man, really great moments. Going to the beach with your friends and family is awesome. You know, and I can remember a few great moments in my life. You know, one that sticks out to me is meeting my wife, Kathy. First time I saw her, 1995. I was playing soccer down in LaGrange. I was a goalie. I had this huge red shirt on with these massive gloves. I looked like, kind of like a clown. I was just like, oh, no, you know, a little kid. And there she was, glowing in this light of glory and this orb of beauty with her straight hair and her bangs and this massive T-shirt on that had some cat pattern on or something like that. I don't remember exactly what she had on, but I remember that moment, man. That was a cool moment. And from then I was like, man, she's mine. She's mine. And the rest is history. She, she fell for me and... And so, I, I, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I love you, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that one. So, um, You know, another great moment in my life, um, you know, and I still can't believe this happened. Before I came on staff here and serving here at Southcrest, I was actually in a band. We were nominated for a Grammy. I, I was able to walk the red carpet in L.A. in 2009 because we wrote some songs and they happened to, to be cool and people liked it. And so that was an incredible moment in my life. Still, I can't believe it actually happened God blessed us, man, and we were able to do that. But if we're all honest in here, we probably have had some bad moments in our life. You know, maybe it's a really major mistake that you made in high school. Maybe it's a major mistake that you made in college. Or maybe you're wrapped up in an addiction or something that you just can't seem to shake or can't seem to break. Or maybe you're, you're just bound, maybe within those 39 million minutes, maybe there was a time in your life where you sinned and you're stuck You're stuck in these moments, you know? Isn't it interesting, man, that your mind can replay the the bad moment? I can't tell you the last time I thought about going to the Grammys, but I definitely can tell you the last time I messed up. I definitely can tell you the last time I failed. It's crazy how our mind puts on repeat these mistakes, and we get stuck in a moment, you know? We just got done singing a song by Colony House, one of my favorite bands, man. They're just um, incredible they're my homies, you know, I, I, they're not my homies, I, I pretend like they are, but in reality they were like, who are you, get away from me. The chorus of that song is, I'm waiting for the day when I'm more than mistakes. He's talking about being stuck. He's talking about being stuck, and, he, and he's made these mistakes over and over and over in his life, and he's just waiting for the moment that he is more than his mistakes. And I think if we were all honest in here, we all may be dealing kind of with the same thing. Maybe we're stuck in the past and in moments. So how do we get unstuck, man? What I said before, truth comes from God, not our minds. Truth comes from God and not our minds. Turn with me to John 8. John 8, if you've got your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, any other i whatever devices that are out now. Uh, turn with me to John 8. John was one of Jesus' friends. John walked the earth. When Jesus was here on the earth, John was a really close friend to Jesus, Okay. And when he's walking around on this earth with Jesus, John, he kept a journal, all right? He kept a journal of all these historical accounts that Jesus did. And this is one of those moments right here. John observed the fact that Jesus uh, was approached by some Pharisees with a woman that was caught in adultery. Many of you probably read this story, man. This is just an incredible, 
incredible account uh, in history, and it's one of my most favorites. Let's read. John 8, let's start with verse 1. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. The temple was kind of a gathering area. People hung out there, and when Jesus jumps on the scene, guess what? Everybody, it says all the people came. So he had a crowd around him. So he sat down, and he began, uh, and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman right here was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Man, there's, there's a lot going on in this story right here. I don't have time to dig through it all, but I do want to kind of give you a little bit of backstory about what's kind of happening real quick. If the, back in, in this time, in this period in history, if there was somebody charged with adultery, there had to be an eyewitness to the account. Somebody had to see the account happening, okay? And if they were going to carry out the death penalty of a case of adultery, two people had to witness the account. So obviously you see how difficult it would have been to capture and to kill somebody just based on, on adultery. Also, in a case of an adultery, two people are always tried, not just one. But here, we see the Pharisees, they just brought the woman. So all, out of the gate, Jesus is realizing, number one, these Pharisees are up to something because they're not upholding half of what they're supposed to be doing. They're trying to trap Jesus, and they're trying to get him to say something or to do something that they could later accuse him of. And we'll see that. We'll read that. Uh, in just a minute. Also, something to note that, that I was reading, just kind of thinking through. If they caught her in the act of adultery, she was, she was probably caught in that act the night before. It's the morning time. So she was probably held in this state, held captive either in a jail or something that was going on by these Pharisees and these scribes. And then also, something to, to note is, and interesting to me is that she was probably not, very, not clothed. If she was caught in that act, they probably grabbed her, held her, and they throw her in the midst of all these people and in front of Jesus, and she's probably in just the most shameful and humiliating state she has probably ever been in her entire life. Let's read on, verse 6. This they said, testing him, that they might have something to which accuse him. Um, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground, excuse me, with his finger as though he did not hear him, hear them. I I just absolutely love this moment in scripture because I think as he's sitting there teaching people about the love of God and and what he's here on the earth to do, these Pharisees take this woman and throw her right in the midst of him. And I bet you in that moment, he's so moved with compassion for this woman that he begins to stoop down and write on the ground to draw the attention to himself and to take it off of that woman. He wants to take the, the, the shame and the humiliation off of her and put it on himself. You know, it's crazy. That's exactly what he did for you and me on the cross. Man, we are sinful. We mess up. And what Jesus did is he said, you know what, Matt? No, I'm going to pull that, that shame and that attention off of you and that, that sin. I'm going to put it on myself and I'm going to put it on the cross. I'm going to take that from you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear it. It's just incredible to think that God created that moment. He's the moment maker and his moment on the cross covers our worst moments that we could ever do and ever have. And he cuff, covers it, <clears throat> excuse me, and he takes it for us. You know, some people, they don't, we don't really know what Jesus wrote. A lot of people speculate that, man, he wrote some Old Testament verses down or some law, or that he wrote the names of the scribes and the Pharisees and the sins that they had committed. And, uh, but my, my favorite one is basically Jesus just sat down and he began to doodle on, on the ground just to tick off the Pharisees, man. That's my favorite one. He's over there drawing like, here's a cat. I'm just drawing, you know, whatever, you know, 
And so we, we don't really know, but, you know, he's, he's over there drawing. He's pulling the attention to himself. And so we see in verse 7, they continue to ask him. I mean, they're like, Jesus, what's going on? We're talking to you, man. What do you, what do you say? Should we stone her? And in this moment, you see what's going on. The Pharisees and these scribes, they're raiding sin. All of a sudden, their sin isn't as bad as this person's sin right here, this girl's sin. They're raiding it. You know, it's an easy trap to fall into. I'm guilty of it, man, pointing fingers so I don't look so bad. If I'm raiding sin, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Hey, well, at least I'm, I'm not as, you know, at least I didn't do that. But in reality, what we're going to see is that sin is sin. And in God's eyes, they were sinners just like she was a sinner. You know, he evens the playing field. So he continued to ask him. He raised himself up and said, He who was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down like a boss and rode on the ground because he didn't even care. All right, that's my, that's my commentary right there. That's my McFadden version. I just love that, man. He's, just not even, he's not even worried about them. Verse 9, those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. You know, our worst moments in life can turn out to become our greatest moments in life when they bring us to Jesus. Our worst moments in life can become our greatest moments in life if they bring us to Jesus. You know, a lot of us in this room, we may be stuck in a moment, man, but if, if this will at least draw us to the feet of Jesus, and you, you would say, you know, God, I, I, don't, you know, I don't even know how I got to this place. God, when I was a young kid, I never imagined that I would sin like this. I, when I, was, I never believed I would turn out to be like this or addicted to this or, or, or stumbled here or made this failure. But God, you know what? I'm right here and I need your help, God. I'm crying out to you. Please help me get unstuck from this moment. That's what's happening right here. Jesus evens the playing field, you know. The scribes leave. What's interesting, man, is that Jesus is left with the woman, and what the woman doesn't realize is that Jesus is the only one that is actually without sin, and he actually can carry out that judge. Kind of like an undercover boss moment where the employee doesn't really know, you know, what's happening or doesn't know that's the boss, and, and, uh, but Jesus kind of has the authority to kill her because what, he's without sin. And she's left there with him. But he refuses to give her a negative judgment, man. I just absolutely love that. Verse 10. When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of you? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I was thinking about this. Why did God, or why did Jesus in that moment ask her that question? It was an obvious question. They left. Jesus knows what happened. They walked away. The woman knows what happened. They walked away. Why did he ask her that question? Because he was helping her change her thinking. He was helping her change her thinking. He was saying, where are your accusers? Well, they're not here. Well, guess what? I don't condemn you either. You've got to change your thinking. I've forgiven you. This pattern of adultery that you've had through your entire life, I know you're stuck in this moment and caught in this moment, and you can't seem to get out of it, but guess what? No one's condemning you, and neither do I. No one's here anymore to condemn you, and neither 
do I? Man, how incredible is that, that Jesus would do that for us? In this moment, she was stuck in a moment. She was stuck in her sin. And Jesus created a new moment because he's a moment maker for her to move on. And he was helping her change her thinking. Today, maybe you need to change your thinking. Today, maybe you need to begin to examine yourself and change your thinking. And maybe you need to believe the Lord when he says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Today's your day to get unstuck, man. God's, you're, you're here. You're here in this moment. You're not here in this room by chance. You didn't happen to stumble in here because you're going to check the box off. God has a purpose for you here in this moment. And today, he wants you to get unstuck. You know, I love this story, man. It's the perfect example of what Jesus, Jesus did on the cross. He refuses to pronounce us a negative judgment. You know, uh, John three seventeen. You know, it it says what Jesus is here to do. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, he would have went against what he was actually here to do if he was to pronounce a negative judgment on that woman. But he's here to save us, man. He's here to save us. And so that's what I want us to do today, man. I want us to thank... For these next few minutes as, as we, we wind down, i got a, a little bit longer, but I want you to begin to examine yourself. I want you to begin to think about what your life and where you're at in your moment. And maybe you're stuck. And today what God's calling you to do is to change your thinking. Today he wants you to change your thinking. Listen, God doesn't, he doesn't conduct an opinion poll on what truth is. He doesn't go to the Pharisees and say, okay, what? no, he didn't do that. We can't take away or we can't add to his gift of salvation. It's a free gift and we get to receive it and that's it. Period. And to help us change our thinking too, I was was thinking about this too. If any sin makes us unacceptable to God, let's say you feel like what you fell into or what you've done in your past is just so terrible that it makes you unacceptable to God in this moment. Well, guess what? That makes the cross insufficient. It makes the Bible a a lie. It makes Jesus a lie when he says that he's forgiven us of all of our sins. Listen, you are acceptable to Jesus. There are tons of verses. I don't have time to go through them all, but 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. No, man, that, that word is all unrighteousness, all of it. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. Man, he gives us a pardon. He gives us a pardon, and he's extending that pardon to you again today, saying you have the power to move on. God accepts us even though we're so unacceptable, but listen, he doesn't just do that. He changes us from unacceptable to completely acceptable. Dude, that's amazing. It's incredible. Colossians 2.13. I want to share just another verse or two. This is one that's just been rocking my, my world as over the past few months here. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us and its legal demands. He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Man, he doesn't just overlook our sin. He doesn't just say, okay, yeah, you did that. Okay, I'm going to overlook it. No, man, he, he removes it and remembers it no more. Gosh, that's so powerful. And today, he's, he's given you that moment. Today's that moment. 
Today's that moment, right here, right now. You know, there's more to this story than just forgiveness of sin. As, as we wind down and as, uh, you know, we, we make our, our moment to close here, uh, I just want you to think about this for a moment. God doesn't just leave us forgiven. He doesn't just leave you, hey, man, you messed up. You're forgiven, cool. Now we're done. No, God called her to a life of, of living a life from the power of sin. He called her to a new life, giving her the power to overcome sin. Not just forgiven in this moment. We see in verse 10 and 11, you know, that's when he raised himself. Where's your accusers? No one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, then I don't condemn you either. Forgiveness of sin. Go and sin no more. There's the new life he's talking about. He's talking about a new life. The gospel is not only forgiveness of sin, but a new life that overcomes the power of sin. So Matt, you say, Matt, okay, I get it. I, you know what? I, I understand what you're saying. I, I believe it. You know, I want it. You know, I, I want to give my life to Christ. How do I do that? How do I experience this, this move on moment in my life? It's called repentance. It's called repentance. What is repentance? It's a changing of our minds. It's a change of thinking. It's a turning from sin and to God. It's leaving our life of sin. It's leaving our, our, our moment of being stuck and turning to Him and giving our lives to Him. Here's something I want you to, I want you to get. The only sin that remains unforgiven is the one not repented of. The only sin that remains unforgiven is the one not repented of. Is that not awesome? Well, Matt, I don't think so. My, my sin is, is, is terrible. You don't understand what I've been through. No. What about the verses we just read? He forgives us from all of our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That word's very specific there. All. Christ's death on the cross takes care of all sin. There's no sin that you've done. There's no mistake that you've made in life that God doesn't say, I want to help you move from this moment and I want you to move on. I want you to move on. He doesn't just leave us unforgiven. He changes us. He changes us forever. And here's the thought I, w- I want you to, to walk out of here today with is, because of Jesus, I have the power to move on. Because of Jesus, I have the power to move on. I want you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. And I don't, you know, we're, we're doing awesome on time. Nobody move around just for the next. We're going to let you out on time, I promise. And if you're a Christian in here, I just want you to begin to pray for the person on your right and on your left. Man, I'm asking God to move today in an incredible way in the lives of people. Because let me tell you something, man. If we're just here doing church for no reason, guess I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I want God to change lives. I want God to change lives. I'm tired of just living life the same. I want God to come down and change my heart and change lives in here. And there are a lot of people in this room today that have yet to give, in their, yet to give their life to Christ. You've been on the fence, man. You've been coming to church, but yet you haven't ever made a decision for Christ. You haven't actually committed yourself to Him. And maybe you're afraid. Maybe you don't want to do that because man, I don't want to ruin my reputation in front of my family or my wife or, or my kids or, or man, I got to keep my Sunday best on and I better not come forward or I better not raise my hand because I don't want to ruin my reputation in front of my, my church friends or my co-workers. 
Today's your day, man. Today's your day. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. Today's your day. You're not guaranteed another moment in this life, but you have this moment right here. So if you're in this room, you have yet to give your life to Christ. If you don't have a relationship with him, it's as simple as what Romans 10 says. 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to do anything else other than that, man. That's, that's it. That's the whole deal. You don't have to do anything weird. You've got to believe in your heart and you've got to confess it with your mouth. And so what is confession, man? That's just, you can just offer up a simple prayer like this. And I want you to do this with me in this room right now. I want you to do this with me. If you have yet to give your life to Christ, now's your moment. Say a prayer something like this. I am a sinner, God. I recognize that you are God and that I need you. I've lived my life my way for far too long and I surrender my life to you. God, I live for you now. God, be my Lord and be my Savior. God, thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins and thank you for saving me. In this moment, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you made that decision today, I want you to slip your hand up in the air real quick with me. I want you to slip your hand up. If you made a decision for Christ today, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand up. This is your moment right here, right now. This is your moment. Awesome. Awesome. You guys can look up at me for just a minute. I've asked the band to come out. We're going to sing the chorus of a song here. Uh, Lamb of God, it's perfect. It's the perfect thought for this message. But here's what I want to do. I want to open up this altar area right here. If you were a Christian in this moment and you were like what I was saying, maybe you were stuck in a moment. You were stuck in this, this moment of, of man, I'm, I'm in this past sin. I can't seem to move over this speed bump in my life. Well, today you have that opportunity to do that. And so I want everybody to stand up with me. We're going to sing this song for just a minute. And if you were that person, I want you to grab your Connect card. And I want you to, uh, hold on one second. I want you to, Pull it out, put your name on the front, and on the back side of it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write, I am choosing to move forward. I am choosing to move forward. And if that's you, why don't you just write that down on that connect card and bring it forward. You can just set it right here on the altar. You can come down front and pray over these next couple of minutes as we sing this song and as we worship Jesus in this moment. Let's do it.